Hello and welcome to Reactives Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Evikiori and this week our podcast is focusing on the EU taxonomy which seems to be losing its green identity with countries like Germany considering lawsuits against it. We are also talking about how and why Europe's most used consent system to cookies is deemed incompatible with EU privacy rules. How does it work and what could be changed? There is a lot going on around the EU's proposed green investment label for nuclear and gas, attracting scathing criticism. To hear more on this, I'm joined today by Euroactive's Kira Taylor and Nico Krumayer. Welcome. And the EU taxonomy has been characterized as not that green anymore. Why do we have these opinions? And is the Commission's plan falling apart, Kira? So to give some context for this, on the 2nd of February, the European Commission announced its final proposal for the inclusion of nuclear and fossil gas in the EU sustainable finance taxonomy. That's this list of investments that the EU views as contributing towards tackling climate change. The European Commission was in a really difficult place with this piece of legislation. They had to publish something saying whether or not nuclear and fossil gas would be included in their list of green investments. And it was always going to open this Pandora's box. So under the proposal, both nuclear and gas are included with some restrictions. So for instance, gas needs to be under certain emissions thresholds and switch to low carbon or renewable gases by 2035. And nuclear needs to meet certain safety requirements and have a plan for the fuel that is left at the end of its life. So the gas industry have said that they welcome the importance of gases in future energy systems being recognized in the legislation, although they think the criteria could have been better in terms of thresholds and recognizing gas as a way to phase out coal. The nuclear industry is happy to be in the taxonomy, but is still annoyed at being called transitional rather than the more sustainable categories in the taxonomy. So that's the industry perspective. Then you switch to the countries, scientists, environmentalists, investor groups, etc., who have criticized this. And they're saying that this document, which was meant to tackle greenwashing, is actually now promoting greenwashing by including these two energy sources. They're saying that the inclusion of these under a green label, even as transitional technologies, undermines the taxonomy. It's quite a widespread criticism that we're hearing in Brussels and beyond. Um, even the platform for sustainable finance, which the commission asked to give recommendations for this, thought that they these being included was wrong and they recommended that there should be a separate amber category, so amber rather than green. Um, I've had quite a bit of annoyance from the members of that platform who feel a lot like uh, their suggestions were ignored or most of their suggestions were ignored. But the European Commission has been quite firm in it. Um, their press conference given by Commissioner Mary McGuinness was quite brutal, I think, to watch. The questions being asked were, were quite um, interesting at points. But she strongly supported these technologies being included. They're imperfect but real solutions and will, will help tackle climate change, she said. Now, the new development is that Germany's Vice-Chancellor Robert Habeck said that the country is considering a lawsuit against uh, EU taxonomy. Why is that, Nico? Berlin is currently being governed by a three-party government, a government coalition of the Social Democrat SPD, the pro-business liberals, FDP, and the Greens. And Robert Habeck is the leading Green politician in the government. And he is the one that has said 
repeatedly that they did not need the second delegated act, the Greens are quite unhappy both with the inclusion of nuclear and gas. And recently, the party has forced its hand. At a late January party convention, a resolution was passed that forces the Green ministers in government to examine a lawsuit against the taxonomy. Kira, what would it mean for the reform itself and the Commission if Germany and other countries actually proceed with the lawsuits against the EU taxonomy? Well, at the moment, there are two chances for the opponents of the taxonomy to block it. Any lawsuit by an EU country is actually quite far down the road because it has to wait for the Delegated Act to become law. The first chance is actually by uh, lawmakers in the European Parliament. Both the Parliament and EU countries will have a vote on whether or not they accept this Delegated Act. They can't make any amendments to it, but they can say yes or no. Most EU countries either like this taxonomy or won't stand in the way of it. So the few member states who are against it don't stand much of a chance of blocking it. For the European Parliament, however, the voting threshold to block it is lower and there's a chance that lawmakers could kill it. Um, As you go from left to right in the Parliament, the opposition to the taxonomy lessens. So the left-wing Socialists and Democrats and the Greens are firmly against it. Lawmakers in Renew Europe and the European People's Party are more divided. French lawmakers, for instance, are totally for nuclear, so are supporting it. So it's now a question of rallying people against it. To quote Green MEP Michael Bloss at an event about the taxonomy last night, they have four months to rally opponents of the taxonomy, six months if they need it, um, and they'll be working to block it. Now, if the European Parliament fails to block it, Countries like Austria and Luxembourg are planning to move in and take the Delegated Act to court. Austria and Luxembourg have been far more against it and far more vocal than Germany. So really, those are the two countries that we're watching. There are a few legal grounds that they're working on. The most prominent is about conflicts in the taxonomy to do with significant harm. So those two countries are currently trying to rally support for a lawsuit. They're looking to other countries that have been critical of nuclear energy or fossil gas in the past, take Spain or Denmark, and of course they're looking to Germany. And Nico, coming back to you, what would it mean for Germany if the government decided to proceed with the lawsuit? The German government is split in that it is considered that there is a grand bargain in play between Paris and Berlin, between Scholz and Macron, Macron needs the support for nuclear to sell as an, a victory in the election campaign that is currently ongoing in the French presidential election, while Scholz considers gas crucial to Germany's energy transition as the country is currently transitioning out of nuclear energy and coal at the same time, and renewables just can't expand fast enough to cover the gap. So that's why Scholz needs or wants the trans- uh, economy to include gas. That's the idea there. But should the Germans successfully or should the green ministers in the government actually pursue a lawsuit? For Macron, it probably won't matter. But for German investors, it would uh, increase legal insecurity as they wouldn't be 100% certain whether their investments would actually be considered sustainable or quote unquote green before the lawsuit is through, which could take years. So what's the next day, Kira? Uh, What have you heard or learned so far? I think it's pretty much a waiting game at the moment. So a lot of people are reading through this delegated act, seeing what they like, seeing what they don't like. We're already seeing financial institutions like the European Investment Bank and investor groups starting to comment on this. 
Um, the narrative of the opponents of nuclear and gas in the taxonomy is that they're going to keep on fighting and they're going to use the four-month scrutiny period to work out how to kill this. And obviously, where there are opponents, there are people fighting them. So the people who are pro-nuclear and gas are going to keep lobbying for it in the taxonomy. I'd like to say this is a four-month period where the taxonomy will go away and we can all get on with our lives, but this battle seems very capable of dragging itself out, and I think it will go on for quite a while longer. Well, thank you, Kira and Nico, for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. You're listening to Euractiv's Beyond the Byline podcast. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter on euractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other fields, you can listen to our digital brief podcast and agri-food brief podcast. And now remaining in Brussels, Belgium's data watchdog found that the industry standard for managing user preferences in Europe violates uh, several general data protection regulation provisions, and it requested advertisers to delete the collected data. To break it down for us, I spoke with Euractiv's digital editor, Luca Bertuzzi. Luca, in one of your articles in Euractiv.com, you're mentioning that Europe's most used consent system is deemed incompatible with EU privacy rules. Now, what does that entail exactly? That's a good question. Uh, We don't know yet. So this was a very uh, dense uh, decision by the Belgian uh, Data Protection Authority that basically said that the industry standard uh, used by advertisers all over Europe is essentially uh, not compliant with the GDPR, uh, which is quite ironical because this industry standard was developed precisely uh, to make sure that uh, advertisers would comply with the GDPR requirement in terms of consent. And how does it work? It's a system that uh, uh, advertisers use to manage your preferences. When you go on a website and you click on a cookie banner, for example, The system registers your preference in the sense that uh, you either choose essential cookies or other forms of cookies and then shares it with advertisers. Uh, What happened there is that, uh, well, essentially was thrown out. And now the IAB Europe, the standard setter um, and trade association behind this, has now two months to come up with a plan to uh, bring this in line uh, with the GDPR and the ruling. Uh, and six months to implement it. So I I think we shall see. So what does it change and what are they asking to do differently? This goes at the core of one of the key concepts of the GDPR, which is on what you're allowed to do with people's data uh, once they express their consent. So the fact that uh, non-essential cookies are also included in when you click on accept, Uh, This has been questioned. Um, The advertiser said that there is a legitimate interest for other people to know people's preferences so that they can essentially allocate uh, media space in these online auctions um, that are behind how all the advertising ecosystem works. They're saying that they could not share these preferences um, because this is not a legitimate interest. It, it, it's not allowed to share these non-essential cookies and advertisers will have to rethink 
uh, the whole way uh, the online advertising ecosystem currently works. And for us as users, is there anything changing already? And uh, what can we expect in terms of the cookies we use? It will depend on the industry uh, to figure out a new way to comply with the GDPR. Uh, but let me also say that this has uh, some broader potential implications because the, the Data Protection Authority in Belgium uh, made an interpretation of controllership uh, saying that IAB Europe is a data controller uh, and this will put on the spot a lot of uh, standard setting bodies, but also, for instance, legal counselor, because if you are a consultant and you're advising an organization how uh, to process personal data, by this definition, you might fall under the scope and become a data controller with all that uh, legally implies. Uh, so for users, it's a bit early to say, but what we understand now is that this uh, current system and the cookie banner is being uh, legally challenged and there will probably be a lawsuit as IAB Europe is likely to, to appeal the decision. But in the meanwhile, they have to apply it. So things will change. Thank you, Luca, for the information. And our time is up for this week. I am Evikiori and this was your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.